What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to another episode of Clutch Gene Sports. It's your host, Marco, with my main man, Rohan. How's it going, Rohan? Hey, I'm doing good, man. How are you? I do good. I can't complain, man. Um, a lot of stuff's going on. I, I kind of went away a little bit. Uh, Grandpa got sick and everything, so I'll go away from social media for a little while. Um, I'm back. Um, a lot of stuff happened in between then, though. Like, I go on social media, and I'm like, wait, what? Like, stuff's going crazy. Um, 49er news. Trey Lance threw a football, and people went crazy, is what I saw. Um, that was very interesting. I thought that was very unique the way fans reacted. You either had fans saying he was the next great thing or he hasn't changed anything in the throwing mechanics. Very interesting stuff. Very, very interesting stuff. How you but how you been, man? Hey man, I've been I've been, I've been good. School's here. Took a week off. Uh, you know, was a little sick, getting back from it. Took a week off from the streams, but now we're back at it, and this is a great way to start. Talking, I mean, a lot of, like you said, a lot of nuggets have been dropping, so it's a cool way to kind of get back right into it. Yeah, I know the 49ers just had their local pro day, pro day, so let's get right into it. I don't know if you talked about it yet or anything, but who is there? Who is someone from the 49ers local pro day that the name just stood out to you? Like, that's a guy that I, I want the Niners to um, key in on, possibly if they draft him and stuff like that. Who is someone that intrigued you? There were. I mean, a lot of players at the local pro day and a lot of intriguing names. Normally, they don't necessarily have players that, you know, expect to be selected very high. But, I mean, this one had a lot of couple, uh, a couple of interesting names. Obviously, the headliner was uh, Jake Hayner of Fresno State, a quarterback. Uh, Stanford's Tanner McKee was there as well. And so, you know, a couple of quarterbacks who many assume will be mid-round selections. Those two were both interesting. I mean, there were a couple of different names as well. Uh, I thought, it, you know, uh, overall, the group of prospects was more intriguing than in past years. Yeah, there's a couple guys I like. So obviously, I cover Stanford, so I know a little bit about the Stanford guys. Michael Wilson from day one um, has been a guy that I've always said was a third round pick. Um, if it wasn't for his injuries, he probably would have been drafted a lot higher because his production would have been a lot better. Um, when I saw that, I was like, oh, that's intriguing because 
that means they're doing their due diligence on some of the receivers that could be right. going to the range. A few corners that I really like that they um, met with or, or had at their local pro day, um, I really like uh, Derek Langford, and I really like Makai Blackman from USC. So Langford's from Washington State, Blackman's from USC. I think Blackman's a little bit underrated. Um, he's one of those guys who um, very comparable to some of the top guys that are going to go in the first two to three rounds. Um, and Blackman's projected to go in the sixth or seventh round. I think he's one of the guys that is could come in and compete. Um, he could play the role of everything. I think he could play that slot, the outside. He could also play safety role. Um, another player that I was pretty interested in, but I was like, wait, why did he? I was kind of shocked that he was actually there um, because there's no way the 49ers will, could get to him because I think he's going in the first round. Was Isaiah Foskey? Um, I don't know yes, that was the one that I was about to that was about to bring up because he has no he he's a Notre Dame kid, and he's going higher. I don't know first round necessarily, but he's going higher for sure. He, he's uh, he's so from what I've heard, he's projected to go in the first round. Um, at or at latest, he's going early second. Like he's he's a guy who, unless the 49ers trade up drastically, um, they won't be able to get. Another guy that I was actually interested in. So it was interesting because this this player that I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about right now. During the season, college uh, before the college season, his draft hype was there. He was projected to be a guy who could put his name in the hat as a guy who could go in the uh, end of the first round or very early second. Um, 49ers had him at their local pro, uh, pro day um, last year. I think his draft stock took a big dive because of his play, uh, but also. I have to factor in that the offense that he was running sucked. Um, Tanner McKee, um, good guy. Um, so he ended up having to do a, a couple of mission for two years um, or a year. So he was an older guy, um, but he was in the same uh, recruiting class as the guys like Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. He was actually like the third or fourth ranked quarterback in that uh, quarterback class going into college. So that was an interesting one to see, um, especially because, Kyle tends to like quarterbacks that throw it exactly where he says to throw it. Mm-hmm. And that's what Tanner McKee does. Tanner McKee is a guy who does not matter what the coverage is, does not really look at that. The quarterback says he has to throw it to the flat, guess who's doing? Throw it to the flat. Quarterback, as the coach says, throw it to the deep post. He's throwing it to the deep post. That's just who he is as a quarterback. Um, not as mobile as his athleticism is because he is a guy that could take off and run with it. Um, so that's a little interesting. Was there any other names from the local pro day or any of the guys that they've been uh, meeting with that you're like, okay, that's a very intriguing name that they've met with? Junior Fajoko, William Junior Fajoko of San Jose State, defensive end. I know he was a guy who uh, they they went to their San Jose State's pro day, I believe, and he so they watched him. Uh, he he was a name that I saw on the list. Um, some other names was Caillou. Uh, Blue. I don't think he was there, but I know that um, Ray John Wright was there, um, who's a guy who I think they've been connected to in the past, uh, corner from Oregon State. Um, His brother's actually in the league, uh, uh, Ray John Wright. Um, oh, Nashon Wright, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, so that, that was the other name that stuck out. Um, and then the one interesting one was, uh, I think his name was Jack Wilson. He's a 6'11 offensive lineman from Washington State. I know uh, David Lombardi posted a video of him. That was an I did one. see that. I was like, what the heck? That's crazy because he's a 6'3 guy. Or a 6'11 uh, offensive tackle 
he was moving really well. But the thing is, is I don't know how often those guys could could play in the league because the right. lower man wins. Now the ability to sink their hips and stuff like that. Now it's interesting because 49ers are having guys come in on their top 30 visits. Is there any guy from the top 30 visit that you're like, I need the 49ers to draft, or I really hope the 49ers um, bring this guy in for, for, I don't know, a workout or whatever the case may be. Obviously, they're doing the workouts because it's a top 30 visit and everything, but who is there um, out of the top 30 visits that you're like, that's a guy the Niners need to draft? Or who would you pound the table for out of the top 30 visit guys? Out of the top 30 visit guys? Oh, you're saying essentially who would I who would I pick? Yeah, yeah. Because I know so it's been announced that they met with a handful of top th- uh, right. handful of guys, mm-hmm. um, the top 30 visit players. Um, I know for sure, like guys like DJ Johnson, uh Cameron. Lott. I know, yeah, yeah. Diaby was in there, Caillou Blue Kelly, who I just talked about. Um, yeah, there there are a lot of names in those. Um, some guys that I like. Uh, that I've selected personally in one of my two mock drafts that I did was um, Marte Mapu out of uh, Sacramento State. I think he's an interesting linebacker safety hybrid. He's a guy who they've coveted to be one of their linebackers, you know, that safety converted linebacker. And I think he would serve well. Uh, He had a pec injury, I know, which might lower his draft stock, which would be beneficial for the 49ers to select him in the later rounds. Um, I think he is fully recovered from that. That's an interesting name. Uh, I know they've had a virtual interview with Darrell Luther. Uh, of South Alabama, the corner. I think that he's an interesting guy. Um, didn't I take I mean, him in our? Then I take you him might in have. You, I, I, I feel like you either took him or you were thinking about him. Yeah, I, I might have. I don't, I don't know. I for sure, I for sure talked about him. I don't know if I took him or not, but then so long since we did a mock draft. But that guy, legitimately, if the 49ers draft him, he's going to be competing for a starting job within the next two to three years, in my opinion. Luther is a guy that could he could play. Yeah, I mean he he can play, but the 49ers have they've definitely looked at a a couple of uh, interesting prospects. I mean tight ends wise, they've talked with a good good amount of them. I mean Cam Watu at Alabama. Uh, they've talked to Zach Kuntz out of Old Dominion. They've talked to and they've talked to a lot of them as well at the combine. Those are two afterwards. They've talked to I think it was um, the Clemson guy Davis Allen. They talked to at the combine. They've talked to uh, Laporta. They've talked to. Uh, and I'm sure there are a couple of other names that they've talked to for sure. So tight end, there are a lot of interesting names. I saw a report out there today, forget where, that said the 49ers have done uh, the most due diligence on the tight end uh, group out of any team in the NFL uh, thus far. So I think there are a couple of names that are interesting there for sure. So a couple guys, I'm going to throw a couple guys' names out there that I really like that they've either met with at the Senior Bowl, Combine, NFL PA Bowl, um, the no matter what it is, either top top thirty visit. So a couple guys I really like: Matthew Bergen um, out of Syracuse, Payne Durham, who I really like. Um, we're looking at Tyler Steen that they met with, Jalen Duncan, offensive tackle, back to back right there. Uh, they've also met with a couple of good defensive linemen or edge rushers. They also met with at the Senior Bowl, one of my favorite guys coming out of the draft, Wanya Morris. Um, but some guys that I really like on the defensive line. Um, KJ Henry, um, they spoke with uh, he spoke with the 49ers the most at the uh, his pro day local his pro day at, at Clemson. Um, Cameron Young, um, uh, on the defensive line, uh, Tuli Tupulotu, 
um, from USC that I like. DJ Johnson, obviously um, a top 30 visit, a guy I really like, a little bit older. Um, Yaya Diaby, um, who I like. I think that would be a smart choice if they decided to take him um, in the third round. And now when I say this, his upside as a pass rusher is is outstanding. He's extremely athletic. Um, he is natu- He's naturally strong. But his run defending and his lower body stiffness is a question mark, but that's why he's going to go probably in the fourth to fifth round. But when you're running a 4-5-1 as a defensive end or an outside linebacker or a pass rusher, that's some intriguing speed opposite of Nick Bosa. Um, a couple of other interesting things that I've, I've noticed, it has been the tight end room that they've looked at, but more so their their receivers that they're looking at. Looking at Mike Wilson, I know for sure they've, they've, he, he was at the local pro day. And right. Keep, and if you keep looking, they have guys like uh, Trey Tucker, speed, 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 met with him at the th- uh, Senior Bowl. Um, Demario I Douglas. really like him. I think I selected him with the last pick of this draft, and you I did. talked about Trey Tucker is very interesting. He'll go higher than the seventh round, in my opinion. That speed uh, and the way that he's able to utilize that speed, I think, is very, very uh, unique. And then if you keep looking, like Braden Johnson of Oklahoma State, um, guys like, oh, and then they had like a, a wide back, Kazmir Allen from UCLA. So they're meeting with a lot of players, and, and tight end has been a class that they've they kind of narrowed down in the sense of with how deep it is. You sort of have to look at the, at the tight end class and the receiver class, and essentially it's because you don't know what's going to happen with George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, or Debo Samuel. What I mean by this is the price tags are starting to come up, right? So for me, like I recently just put out a um, tweet on who I think the 49ers' top position needs are, and I personally think it's right tackle, um, safety, depth along the defensive line, and then receiver. And the reason why I say receiver, and it is, I want to actually ask you this question after, is um, Brandon Ayuk, Debo, George Kittle, their price tags are all coming up. George Kittle needs to be extended after this year because he has no guaranteed money on his contract the rest of the way. Right. So they're kind of drafting ahead of time, right? And it kind of sounds like, hey, the 49ers might be one of those teams that, hey, no, you know, if we take a tight end now and he's a legit tight end, we don't have to extend George Kittle. We could actually trade George Kittle. We could, or you know what I mean? So like that, or for example, Brandon Ayuk, he has to be paid within the next two to three years. Well, that also matches up with the Debo Samuel timeline. How does that work? And now that's what I wanted to ask you is, what is the main position needs for the 49ers heading into the draft? That's an interesting question, right? Because when you look on paper, the 49ers have a player, regardless of what you think about that player, they have a player to kind of fill every role that they at least feel comfortable enough to start. But when you look at where they could best improve or where this team would best improve if they found additional competition, paired with what this draft has in terms of value, I think you have to look at right tackle first. That would be the position where if you made a trade up for, that would be the number one position. I also like this safety class. I think the safety class in the mid-third round, late second, mid-third round is valuable. I've I've experimented, I think, with my second mock draft. I traded up for a right tackle to get Matthew Bergeron at pick 80 from 99. And then I made a second trade up because Sidney Brown was there at 85. And I thought him at 85 was uh, a talent too far to pass up. 
I think those two positions are valuable. And I think that there's value to be had for the 49ers, not only where they select, but also if they trade up. Moving forward from that, defensive line, this is a very deep class. I think you can definitely see value from defensive line. Uh, I think there are a lot of good edge rushers in this class. I think that I think so. And when you look at the current depth the 49ers have, to me, roster guarantees an edge. It's Nick Bosa, Drake Jackson, and Cleveland Farrell. I don't think that anybody else that they've signed thus far is a roster guarantee, which means you have room to add depth there or add at least some competition in the later rounds. I think the 49ers should go ahead and get edge. And then I'd say tight end, just because it's a deep class. You've been looking for TE2, but you're also looking potentially for uh, a TE of the future. If George Kittle, you end up moving on from him due to salary cap ish, uh, salary cap implications next year. Now, the good thing is... Oh, you there, Rohan? Okay, you muted yourself, my bad. The good thing is, is with the tight end position, it's so deep, this draft class. So you got right a couple... There's a couple of guys that I've actually looked at that I think, okay, the 49ers are really doing the due diligence on these guys. They're actually looking at guys that are probably going to go second to early third on some of these. So, for example, looking at tight ends like um, Sam Laporta, um, Brenton Strange. um, They also talked to Davis Allen. They talked to uh, uh, Cameron Latu. Um, They talked to... The guy from Michigan State, I don't know his name, but his last name is, I don't know his first name, but I know his last name is like Barker or, or something like that. Um, and then if you also look at it, Payne Durham, a guy I'm, I mentioned it again, um, is a guy I kind of want to go after. Now, people are going to go like, no, we want Sam Laporta. No, don't get me wrong. I think Sam Laporta probably is one of the best tight ends in this class for the 49ers. Kind of a, a, a similar guy to um, George Kittle in the sense of they could block, he could do everything after the catch. Payne Durham, I he's think good. Perfect yeah. fit for the 49ers. A good blocker, good route runner. Not going to get anything much after the catch, but he's a solid tight end, and that's what the 49ers need, essentially moving on, because it's better to have someone who can block and run routes and do the, the, the little things, because it's hard to find your guys like George Kittles, your Mark Andrews. Just, it's hard to find those kind of guys that can block and be elite receiving tight ends. I'm interested in what, what the 49ers do in that route. Now, a lot of things, a lot of rumors. Drop your I want everyone in the chat that is, is watching, drop in the chat. This is a question for everyone, including Rohan. I'm gonna ask Rohan this question because it kind of leads into the main topic. Who is more important to the 49ers in terms of drafting players? John Lynch oh, or Adam yeah. Peters? And, okay. and give me why. Now, this might be the easiest question. Those of you guys watching, drop in the chat. But to me, this is funny enough. I wrote an article on the topic earlier today because as we heard today, for those of you guys that want uh, some of the background knowledge, first of all, Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk uh, tweeted out that or wrote, wrote a piece on that the there's a rumor that Nick Casario could go ahead and he could end up joining the New England Patriots again. If you guys don't remember, Casario was initially from the Patriots, ended up accepting the job to be the Texans GM, but he could go back to the Patriots and accept the Patriots GM job. Because of that, the Texans GM job might be open. And so what do you do if you're the Texans? Well, you just hired D'Amico Ryans. 
just hired Bobby Slowick. You've got a really good GM candidate in Adam Peters here in San Francisco. And so Mike Silver tweeted out that the talk is the 49 or sorry, the Texans are going to target Adam Peters to be their next GM if Casario does leave. However, it's clear to me the 49ers, the their their main guy in that front office, it's not John Lynch. It's Adam Peters. Adam Peters is the forefront of their scouting department. He's the guy who is he he's the guy who uh, really when you when you talk about the way the 49ers have built this team, it's been via the draft. Adam Peters has a very good background. He started mm-hmm. with the Patriots in the Super Bowl era of the Patriots from 2003 to 2009. And then he went to the Denver Broncos, and they won a Super Bowl there. And then he joined the 49ers at the start of the Cal Shanahan regime due to very glowing reports from both Belichick and John Elway in Denver. He has a good background. He's been very good with the 49ers in the scouting department. And the 49ers have developed, drafted and developed several homegrown stars. Adam Peters was integral for the Debo Samuel pick, alongside very, uh, very many others there. You've got to find a way to keep him. That's my uh, that's my strategy. I've said promote him to GM. What does that mean for John Lynch? I'm not sure. If John Lynch wants to accept a more figurehead type of role, like president of football operations, he can do that. If not, then I think it's time to part ways because you do not want to afford losing Adam Peters. Now, in my personal opinion, I don't believe Adam Peters leaves for the Houston Texans. I still think that he believes the job is his over the next two years. And that's why we've heard Adam Peters decline opportunities entirely this year to interview itself for uh, general manager jobs. I think he knows the job is his after Lynch chooses to leave because Lynch himself has openly said he doesn't envision being a GM for his entire career. It was really for the goal to win a Super Bowl. He wants to spend more time with his family. And a, 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 a job in the media booth or in the in the uh, TV booth that helps him do that. No, absolutely. So like it's interesting because people give the credit to John Lynch because he's a GM, right? I tweeted not so long ago something about uh, John Lynch isn't that valuable to the roster building for the 49ers because he's essentially just a guy wearing a suit doing PR for the 49ers. Essentially, that's what he's doing. He's a good PR kind of guy, and to me. It's easy to make the decision. You keep Adam Peters, you either promote or you get rid of John. It's easy. Now, when you look at the like the best players on the 49ers, right? So Trent Williams, he came to the 49ers via Kyle Shanahan. He said he wanted to play for Kyle Shanahan, and that's why he came. It wasn't John Lynch really doing much of recruiting or anything or, or making that trade. Fred Warner, it's been rumored. Adam Peters, George Kittle. It's been rumored, Adam Peters. Uh, Talano Hufanga, rumored, Adam Peters. Um, Debo Samuel was confirmed. Kyle Shanahan openly said in an interview that the way that they got onto Debo Samuel was Adam was the first guy who scouted him and really liked what he was able to do with the football in his hands. So when, when you take a look at what the 49ers have built, it's sad in the sense of I don't like, like, I don't like being a person to discredit what another person does. So what I'm going to say right now, it kind of it feels weird saying it, but John Lynch hasn't done much for the 49ers organization in the sense of building a roster. It's mainly been Adam Peters and the rest of the scouts in the department they have. Now, John Lynch is a great guy in the sense of 
He knows how to talk to people around the league, have good connections with the media, with other coaches, uh, um, NFL GMs. But he's not that dude. So for me, it's easily Adam Peters. But what's interesting is John McClain, which is the Houston Chron- – he's retired from the Houston Chronicle. He used to be the Houston Texans' main um, source of promoting them, talking about them, articles about them. He recently tweeted earlier um, that Nick uh, Cassiero ain't going nowhere. And he, this is the second day in a row he's tweeted it. He said that despite um, the rumors that he's not leaving. So since he's not leaving, the foreigners don't got to worry about anything. Um, so that's a great thing. Now, if you're on my channel, make sure you hit that like button. If you're on Rohan's channel, hit that like button. And then do us both a favor. Go to each channel. The link is in the description. You hit that link, hit subscribe to both of our channels. So you guys are always connected to mine and Rohan's channels. We appreciate you guys for doing that. So for me, if Adam Peters leaves, we might see the 49ers drafting and roster building start going down. That's where it gets scary because Adam Peters to me is a guy who you keep around as a GM for a very, very long time. Do you think if the 49ers let Adam Peters walk in this situation that the 49ers would be in trouble in terms of roster building? I do. I do. Uh, But maybe not to the degree that you might think, but I do think that it's integral uh, about the role that Adam Peters plays. Again, the 49ers, it's not like it's a one-person show. They have a good amount of area scouts and a, a, a whole process that kind of goes into it. And they, they do take input from a good amount of uh, their people in the room. In fact, the Samuel Womack pick came because area scout Ryan Kesinich uh, of the Midwest ended up pounding the table for him. Then the, the Midwest scout who scouted cornerbacks, he said, yeah, we like him too. And then the upper-ups, they said, guess what? I like Adam Peters. D'Amico said I like Adam Peters. And overall, they formula uh, they, they formulated together and ended up uh, – sorry, like Samuel Womack, and they formulated together to make this uh, selection. So it's a, it's a collective effort, but you don't want to lose the head of the snake when you have an opportunity not to lose him. That's the way that I think, and I don't think that uh, – I, I don't think that the risk of – I think the risk of losing Adam Peters is worse than the reward that you get if he's gone. I absolutely agree, and I'm gonna I'm gonna address this comment by uh, Mr. Callie Young. So he goes, "Hold up, we can't shortchange Lynch. We probably don't have CMC or Trent Williams without Lynch." So John Lynch does he did do the trade, but I don't think he's the guy that does like the in the sense of what capital we should give up. Now Trent Williams trade that happened because of Kyle Shanahan, not because of John Lynch. No, no, no. I I will agree with Callie here a little bit. I do think that – I mean, I I, I said it on the last podcast that we had. I do think that Lynch deserves credit because there is some value. He absolutely does, but not as much as he gets is what I'm trying to say. That's fair. That's fair. I I, I do think that's fair because specifically from a scouting department, uh, like from a a draft perspective, I think a good portion of the work – and a good portion of the outcome is due to Adam Peters and the way that he's been able to scout not only here but in his past few jobs as well. But I do think Lynch does provide that value as well. No, yeah. So what I so what essentially what I'm trying to say is Kyle is the reason why Trent's here. Kyle pretty much said, "Go get him. 
We're losing Joe Staley. You have to go get that that left tackle for me. Don't miss. That's the guy I want. What does John Lynch do? Okay, I'll, I'll do that. I'll do it. I'll do what you say. Because at that point, it was Kyle Shanahan saying, "I need to replace Joe Staley on my offensive line. Go get me. Go get me Trent Williams. If not, I think John Lynch would have preferred another route. I don't think John Lynch would have wanted to do the Trent Williams route because Trent Williams, from from what everyone had said, wasn't wasn't planning on being traded. He he essentially was kind of just sitting there, requested a trade. The Commanders didn't really have him shop a short shopping him essentially. Now the CMC one, I do give it more to John Lynch. I think that was more so John Lynch saying, hey, you know what? We need to go out and get CMC. Our running backs are hurt. Our run game is lacking. We need someone to help carry the load. I do give John Lynch that credit because John Lynch was very vocal about that one. He wasn't as vocal about it when when he made the trade for Trent Williams. And I think it was more so Kyle um, being the reason that that trade got done. And yes, you do got to give him credit because – he got the deal done, but at the end of the day, when they're doing trades or doing negotiations, those aren't mainly the GM. They have a uh, Parag. They have other guys that are doing their their value for picks and stuff like that. So it's not essentially just John Lynch on that. I do give John Lynch his credit though for bringing those guys in, but I think he gets too much credit for the roster that the 49ers have. Now, Going over to because I wasn't here, I was I was gone. I was MIA um, when everything happened with Trey Lance, right? Trey Lance starts working out with uh, Patrick Mahomes, starts working out with the new quarterback coach. Now, what are your thoughts on on everything? And then make sure everyone. So that's a big smile. I know Rohan's about to drop some some heat right now. So do me a favor, make sure you guys hit subscribe button to both channels. Because you're going to constantly be getting heat like this from both of us. I mean, first of all, the reaction was the funniest thing I've ever seen. It was one throw that we saw. But to me, the throw I don't care about. I mean, cool to see him throwing. Cool to see him kind of getting back into it, obviously, after the injury. But the main thing that I I, I took away is, guess what? He's with, he, he is, he's with Kyle Shanahan. I mean, not Kyle Shanahan. He's with Patrick Mahomes. And Patrick Mahomes is quarterback coach. I don't think you can go into a workout with Patrick Mahomes and come away saying that it didn't work out. I mean, it, it wasn't for the better. Yeah, it's, it's Patrick freaking Mahomes. And not only is it him, it's the quarterback coach that really refined his mechanics into becoming what he is currently, right? And so to me, I think that there's big value in it. And this is where I want to ask you this question because I, I, I had it on a podcast uh, with Ryan Hensley earlier. Do you think Kyle was the one that set it up? organized it because remember the 49ers organized some of Trey Lance's stuff last year sending him to John Becker do you think it was more Trey Lance's doing setting him up in Texas see this is a great question I don't know if Ryan asked you that you asked Ryan that that is a great question man I think that I think this is what happened I don't necessarily think Kyle sent him to um work out over there but I do think Kyle challenged him to come back better than he ever has been and i think trey lance took it upon himself to go out find the best coach for him um and he did that i think he went out and got the best coach for him um and the reason why i say this is because not only does patrick everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich 
But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Holmes work on his in-the-pocket mechanics. He works on non-platform throws. He makes it where everything is more fluid, more natural to himself. And it essentially is the baseball-like throw that Patrick Mahomes has. He naturally right. is a baseball player. That's what he naturally is. His dad, professional baseball player. So naturally, he throws like a baseball player. His sidearm, doing the fun, fancy stuff. So being around a baseball field, you're constantly – I don't know if you've ever been on a baseball field. I'm pretty sure you have in the sense of when you're hit, like you literally with your boys or your whatever, you'd hit it to short. You would try to do the jeter. Right, try to do a crazy, a crazy play. Right, that's essentially what we were trying as kids, and I think uh, Trey Lance going to Patrick Mahomes not only is a confidence booster, it's you're working on your mechanics. You're picking the brain of the best quarterback in the league right now, and I guarantee you, he came out of those workouts a much, much better quarterback. Whether people want to admit it or not, he became a better quarterback. The moment he started working with, um, I don't know how to say his last name, uh, Chris. Jeff Christensen. Christensen. I was going to say uh, Christofferson because that's the street. My school was my school was on. It's a good thing I didn't butcher it. And, and Patrick Mahomes. You come out, you come out as a better coach and a quarterback in general when you're working with that good of a coach and that good of a quarterback. So I'm actually glad to see um, everything. I did. I didn't see it at first. Um, I actually had an uncle show it to me, like, oh, my God, look, he's working with Mahomes. I'm like, oh, that's not, that's cool. I didn't put two and two together to go check Twitter or anything because I wasn't, right, at the time, my mind wasn't on on sports at the, at the moment. Ends up, I check into Twitter, like, two, three days later, and instead of hitting, like, uh, to refresh my tweets, I'm scrolling through. So I have, like, thousands of tweets to scroll through just to mess around and look at. And everything was... Oh my gosh, he rechanged his mechanics. He's the greatest quarterback of all time. Oh my God, his mechanics are still terrible. He's still trash. Oh my God, he's working with Mahomes. Oh my, like, it was like, wait, we either have people on this side or this side. Like, why can't we just be happy that the dude looks healthy from his surgery? The throws look better than what we've seen in the past. His mechanics did look better. Whether you agree or disagree, the mechanics were better. He doesn't have a hip dip where he was constantly... When he was working with other quarterback coaches, he before he would throw, he would dip his hip, which would dip the shoulders, and force throws to sell. I didn't see the dip hip. I saw it in a much more fluid mechanics. But then again, it's only one or – it's like about five throws that we got to see. Realistically, it's, that's not enough. I, I'm excited to see what he does in camp, and I'm waiting to hold judgment until we see OTAs in camp. I don't want to see anything right now. I'm just glad he's throwing. Great that he's working with a great coach, and great that he's working with Patrick Mahomes. Because if we could get a quarterback that could sling the ball, uh oh. I mean, I mean, it's fair because it's Patrick Mahomes. I mean, like I said, you're only going to get better by working with one of the best, and it's a good sign to see not only for that, but also for Trey Lance getting healthy ahead of, or showcasing that he's healthy ahead of, uh, obviously. OTAs and phase one of the offseason. I know offseason workouts, I think they're starting up soon. So, yeah, good for Trey Lance. And, I mean, 
I'm, I'm hoping he has a good uh, bounce back year this year uh, in getting to compete with Sam Darnold and then when Brock Purdy comes back with Purdy as well. So the title is also about developing Lance. And I don't want people just to come in here and think, oh, they're, they're not going to – they're just not going to talk about what we came here for, right? Some people came to, to talk about Peters and Lynch. Some people want to talk about Lance. Do you think the 49ers – and the reason I'm going to ask this question in a certain way because it's gonna. I have a follow-up question to it. Do you think the 49ers are developing Trey Lance to be the starting quarterback and he's the quarterback moving forward? I think so. I mean, I think at this point right now, they're looking at developing all of their quarterbacks. That's kind of the way that they look. But understanding that Brock Purdy's out, the best case scenario for the 49ers right now is Trey Lance is the quarterback that you believe that he was going to be when you drafted him. And that means develop, developing him into being a uh, franchise quarterback. And so to me, right now, I do believe so. I believe Kyle Shanahan thinks, I mean, that's his guy. So I believe that Kyle Shanahan is going to do what's prob- uh, what's necessary to try and develop him into a franchise quarterback. Now, will that come with success? That's yet to be seen. Obviously, the 49ers, quarterback success, that has been up and down over the years. Um, but I think they're, uh, they're trying to at least create a path for that. So the reason why I say this is, do you buy any uh, buy into the 49ers hosting a private workout for Dorian Thomas uh, Thompson? Oh, because he they met with them at the combine. They held a private workout for him. They held a private workout for uh, not a private workout, but they met also with a few other quarterbacks like Jaron Hall, which is a similar style. When I say similar style, it's more of a quarterback that's athletic that could sling the ball and then they brought in Sam Darnold who is a more athletic quarterback and can run a little bit of the zone read and can sling the ball or do you think it's just the 49ers are going after the best quarterback possible and not necessarily the athletic quarterback that could back up a quarterback like Trey Lance now I understand now where you're coming from to me I actually I think it's them doing their due diligence because I honestly don't think Dorian Thompson Robinson is going to be there when they're available to select. Now I wonder exactly where he goes, but I think a, a player of his with his intriguing traits goes a little higher than maybe people expect, maybe in the fifth round. And the most important thing when it comes to a quarterback, I don't think the 49ers are going to get a guy unless it's the seventh round or an undrafted free agent, or maybe even the sixth round. But the reason I say it is, when you talk about the 49ers and that quarterback, well, guess what? They they have three quarterbacks that are going to be on their 53-man roster come the beginning of the year. And that's Trey Lance, that's Brock Purdy, and that's Sam Darnold. They're not going to have think, four, which be yeah, go ahead. But do you think Brock Purdy doesn't end up on the PUP list then? Now, this is, I'm talking the initial 53. Brock Purdy could end up on the PUP. I don't know if I envision that. Because, because the, if he's on PUP, week, I don't think... Because if he's on PUP to start training camp, I don't think they, they have, have to have – they don't have to put him on the active roster because he's on PUP, right? Right. But in that case, regardless, that quarterback is going to be able – that guy is going to be cut at some point. Be it week one, be it when Brock Purdy comes back, be it uh, – you know, even if it Brock Purdy goes on IR, you have to cut the guy and then bring him back via uh, – unless you're going to carry four on your initial 53, which doesn't normally make sense. That's my personal thing. I don't know if Purdy uh, goes on PSP. I think it's more likely he goes on IR initially, 
given if it's a if it's the timeline that we hear right now. If it's the one to four week timeline, if they expect Brock Purdy back by week four at the latest, remember Kyle Shanahan said at week four at the latest. If that's the expectation, I'm assuming that he's built back up by week four to the point where he can be the backup in week four. Now, if that timeline is further back, I expect PUP. I do expect PUP at that point. And I can understand the PUP argument because right now Sam Donald's contract indicates that he'll be active for at least seven games. At least. PUP is eight games. And so, you know, you're expecting Sam Donald to be active there. So I can understand it, but I still think at one point this quarterback, whoever it is, is going to be cut. And that's why I think – they're they're going to have to be comfortable getting a guy who they understand could be cut and placed in the practice squad uh, this year. See, the reason why I ask this is because if you're ha- you're holding a private workout for DTR, that means you're intrigued. Like to hold a private workout for a quarterback, and I know they pick at ninety nine. So I don't I don't know if he makes it to ninety nine. I think he should be going. I do think he's one of the top five quarterbacks in this draft class. Um, I do know his. I do know he tested. Very, I, 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 ah, dang, how do I say this? He attests, he tested really, 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 really good on the, on the S2. 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 Um, Higher than Levis? Levis was 93. Um, he tested, I'm not going to say no numbers, uh, Rohan, but he tested really well. I'll, I'll text you, the, I'll text you later. Um, but he tested really, really well. Um, so for me, it's like now the Niners know that the S2 score. Is legit. Like these S two scores are legit. They drafted. not only the Niners. A lot of teams like it. David Tepper, uh, in an article with the Athletic, David Tepper really thinks about, and this is the Carolina Panthers owner really thinks highly about it. And they've got the number one overall pick. And it's pretty cool because shout out to uh, S two uh, cognitive, not cognitive. Uh, I recently interviewed Brandon Alley, the CEO of S two. Um, so go check that out. Um, amazing if you want to learn what, what the actual S2 test is, what they do. Um, but now back to DTR is if he's there at 99 and the four ers are that intrigued, why not? Why not? You could cut Sam Darnold after week seven. It's only a 3.4 million cap hit you take. Or at that point, it'd be probably less because the, the, the weeks and everything. But it's worth it. If you think he's a guy that could eventually develop, why not? That makes that means you have three quarterbacks that could be legit quarterbacks. I, I, I wouldn't mind it. I mean, I'm not going to say that I, I I wouldn't mind the pick at all. I just don't know how realistic it is. That's that was kind of my argument. And also, I just want to clear some things up for S two because they're really great people. Um, a lot of the scores that we're seeing that are being reported, they're false. They're inaccurate. So these players do not get their test scores. The teams do. Unless the team gives it to the agent, they do not get their scores. Okay. So, now, so you're saying that Young's 98 and Levis's 93 might be incorrect? I'm not going to say anything about those scores, but I'm, I'm sure going to say about CJ Stroud. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there's a lot of inaccuracy and um, false reporting going on. Um, he tested. Uh, very, very good. He does very good. That's very solid. Um, now, people are saying he tested very poor. Well, X, Y, Z. Um, if he goes because right now they're saying there's a it's a lock that Bryce Young goes number one. Well, that means C.J. Stroud would go number two, right? Like that's potentially the next quarterback. Well, 
TJ Stroud's agent also reps Deshaun Watson. And that, that ain't going to slide with the Houston Texans. Huh? So for them, the Houston Texans might leak. It might leak. Oh, he tested poor. Just so when they do pass on uh, CJ Stroud, that could be their scapegoat. It could be CJ Stroud's agent is doing that to get him to number three or number four. Now, from what I've talked to the people I've talked to, they have said there's some legit, valid um, concerns that either the Texans or the agent are saying he tested poor to get him past number two. Because if the Texans, for example, if the Texans really like him, but they know they don't want to work with David Malugeta. If they don't want to work with him no more at the quarterback position or whatever positions, then you kind of make it a scapegoat. Oh, this S2 test is legit, and this quarterback test is extremely poor. So we're not going to take him, right? So now you pass on him. Now that's a way to make it happen. And I, I did want to clear stuff up that, a lot of the scores are inaccurate that are being reported, and C.J. Stroud is one of the quarterbacks that is being um, criticized, and his score is not accurate from what I'm hearing. Um, so back to the main picture, right? DTR, potentially high score. Uh, Niners might take him, and if they do, three quarterbacks. Now, Trey Lance. I'm going to ask on Trey Lance. Do you think the 49ers are after another tight end? Because they want Trey Lance. If you look at Trey Lance's college tape, he loved throwing the tight ends. Like he legitimately loved throwing the tight end. Like his favorite target was Josh Babbage. That was right. his favorite, that was his favorite target. Now, can George Kittle be his favorite target? Absolutely. But if you have two George Kittles, it makes it even better, right? Like, so to me, I'm kind of looking, I'm like, are the 49ers really trying to develop and build around Trey Lance? Do you think that could be the case in the sense of what is going on, allowing Brock Purdy your seven-week timeline, or do you think the 49ers are locked in on Brock Purdy as their quarterback? I don't know if this specific, if the tight end specifically has an indictment on the quarterback they select. Now, I like the analysis you bring up, but I also think the 49ers have been looking for tight end to, for quite some time now. They initially went after Jordan Reed after the breakout season that George Kittle had in 2018. That obviously didn't pan out due to Reed's uh, injury history. Then they went after Ross Dwelly. That didn't pan out. They now they view him as a perennial backup. But they, but the, but they had Ross Dwelly on their team way before Reed, though. So like, was that true? Maybe, maybe yeah, that's true. Because they, they the, had they had Ross yeah. Dwelly since his first year of um, him being on the roster. It was immediately with the Niners. Uh, Ross Dwelly was on the roster, and uh, they got him as an undrafted free agent. And then they did sign. Um, Jordan Matthews, uh, Reed to try. Oh, to no, no, no. So I have it wrong. You're right. So they had Dwelly in 18. 18 was Dwelly's yeah, yep. first year uh, as an undrafted free agent, and then um, then they had Reed. Then it was uh, Charlie Warner and Jordan Matthews. Matthews was the practice squad, so they had him and Charlie Warner. But the point I'm trying to say is they've been trying to get a tight end two at good value in the draft and haven't really succeeded at doing it to the standard that they want. And I think that specifically in this draft where the amount of tight end value is immense compared to the normal value that tight ends have in the or that the position has in the class in terms of the overall amount of talent, I think it's important and integral to identify a player you like in this class 
or identify a player with that with their respective round that you like in this class and take that player understanding you have what you wanted in a tight end too but you also have insurance if you need to move on from George Kittle due to financial reasons later on so I don't necessarily think it's an indictment on the quarterback although I do find that thinking about Trey Lance and Tree. so the thing is is remember when they almost signed Austin Hooper before he signed with the Cleveland Browns yeah I remember that what I was very shocked on and I think this is a bigger conversation because they could have had Austin Hooper for like one year, 2.7 million this year. He's still only 29. I'm about to be 29. Now you can look at it as, okay, look, kind of older for a tight end. Who's going to be your number two or yeah, he's still 28 going to be 29 um, from the area, from San Mateo. Um, they could have had a, a, a solid tight end too there. They decided not to. Does this mean that they're actually looking for a tight end one and not a number two? Right? Because, like, hey, the, the bill comes, the bills always come and do. It's always due. It comes back to get you. The one thing I'll also say is I think they were low key ahead of the curve at the time. Because one thing you notice back in 2020, that's when this spurt about tight end twos becoming valuable, about 21 personnel, sorry, 12 personnel becoming more valuable really started to take a fold because people teams started realizing in the in the modern day area of the spread offense that if you have two tight ends on the field especially tight ends that can catch the ball such as Njoku and Austin Hooper for the Cleveland Browns at the time well guess what it forces defenses to uh, uh counteract with more players in the box and it allows you to operate that spread offense a little more effectively and I think the 49ers were trying to get ahead of the curve there by understanding already with the way that 20, uh, 12 personnel would work with Kyle Shanahan's scheme, that they could get this guy. Unfortunately, it didn't come at the price they want. Obviously, Austin Hooper was overpaid at that time. So I think that I think that is what they're trying to do is go more towards that 12 personnel. They don't really have that number two tight end. If you look at Charlie Warner is the next man up after Kittle. Good blocker, but we haven't really seen much from him um, as a tight end. I thought they're gonna have a. Uh, they're gonna utilize him more as a receiving tight end, uh, because in college he did have some tape that showed can't really run routes. But when he gets, if you could scheme him open, he could put the ball in his hands. He's a guy that could get those yards after the catch with his speed and his uh, mindset to not let one guy bring you down. Now, going into the draft, Rohan, do you think the 49ers should stay pat? At number at pick ninety nine one or ninety nine one hundred one and one hundred two, or should they package a few of those picks up to go get a player? And if it is, you have to choose one player that they could go get. Who is it? I think I've got to go with the guy who I've been looking to target whenever I do a mock draft. And for for your first question, would I stay at ninety nine? No. I don't think I would keep the 99, 101, and 102. I don't think I'd keep those three picks. Does that mean I uh, I could entertain a move down? Yeah. Does that mean I could entertain a move up? Yeah. It depends on where the value is. Now, if you're telling me if I uh, if I were to move up and if I were to select a guy on the board, it would be Matthew Bergeron. He's the right tackle I've been looking to target in my drafts, especially if he falls due to, uh, due to a reason uh, at the right tackle position. He's the guy who I'm looking at. And so if he's there in the third round, I would go up and I'd get him. Understanding you have significant value with your third rounders next year with the compensatory formula that should benefit you, as well as you having your own third round pick next year, you've got value to move up. 
You also have value in this class with 11, uh, 11 picks overall in the mid to late rounds. And so that's what I would do. So I love that you you say Matthew Burrigan because for a while, that was one of the guys I was in love with. I still am in love with him. Like he's one of my draft crushes. And I remember when I, I text you about we're, – we're not when I text you, but when we're texting back and forth about Matthew Burrigan and Wanya Morris. Like those are the two guys we were just watching extremely at the time. And what I love about with Bergen is his position versatility. He could play guard. He could play left tackle. He could play right tackle. Um, so if he fails as a tackle, you could bump him inside and he'd be a very good guard. Now, I think he would benefit from moving over to the right side as a tackle. Um, and not oftentimes do I say I think players should move over, but I do think he would benefit uh, because of his um, techniques that he's still working on and everything, being technical, his kicks, um, his footwork, just that when you look at it, probably be better suited as a right tackle than a left tackle in the NFL. Um, I agree. I would trade up. Now, if I had to, to choose one player to trade up for, so what I essentially what I would do is I'm going to find whether it's if the 49ers want a defensive lineman, edge rusher, or whatnot, but I'm going to find Will McDonald, if he falls to the 70s, which could happen, because from what I've heard from a couple of scouts, they say that teams have third to fourth round grades on them. I'm not letting him fall past 70, 75 on the 49ers, trading up and getting Do you think he won't go in the, he won't go earlier? Do you think that even though some teams have a low grade, other teams might not have a higher grade? I think teams probably should have a higher grade, but when teams are looking at him, they're seeing a sort of a tweener in the sense mm. of his weight is smaller, doesn't do the the greatest as a run defender, but he could have to the quarterback. So his grade is not like you, you're right, though, is just because one team has him low or a couple teams have him low doesn't mean another team has him as a first round talent. Right. So for me, if he's there at 75, I'm jumping up and getting him. Yeah. Get him at 75, you, you still have pick 102 or 101. I pick 101 or 102, you take Tyler Steen. I think Tyler Steen is a right tackle that will fit the 49ers immediately, will start immediately, and be a very good tackle for the 49ers for the years to come. Okay, okay. I think that, I mean, if that's your if that's a strategy, I mean, I think you could definitely pull it off. It would be interesting if they go up for an edge. I'd be very curious to see that. If they do, though, I mean – Will McDonald would definitely be a good player to to target. Because the reason why the reason I think the Niners need depth along the defensive line. Now they do have guys that they just signed, Clean Farrell, um, Hargraves. But when you after that after Hargraves, Armstead, Bosa, they're pretty thin, right? Like they're pretty thin, and they they got it either draft right, them. right. They only have three really edge guys that are guaranteed a spot. Exactly. So for me, I think their edge is, is one of those guys where you could go out and get, but if they decide like, hey, right tackle is our main position, absolutely 100% agree with you. Trade up, you get Matthew Bergen. Um, Jalen Duncan might be there um, to trade up for. He might go a little bit right before the 49ers could pick. Um, so one of those two guys I would go after. Um, what I do want to see the 49ers do, though, is don't draft 11 players. And I'm going to say this again. Don't draft 11 players. Last year, I don't believe they made a trade-up or a trade-down. No, they drafted all 10, I believe it was. And 
when you look at it, it's okay. Yeah, they they had picks that they were able to stash, keep them on the roster or practice squad or um, PUP IR whatever the case may be. But drafting that many guys, you're only going to probably have realistically six players make the roster. Maybe seven make the roster, and about four will contribute, if that, on this roster. Now you, these these picks have to be. I love this player kind of picks. Trade up and go get your guys. Trade up and go get your damn guys. Now, even if you trade up, right, trade up to 75, because it'll probably be the range you have to get a Matthew Bergen to, 70-75 range. You go get your tackle. At 102, you have no more legitimate position of uh, needs. You could trade down from 102, get two more picks, and then use those seventh rounders you have. Trade right back up. Because now you're creating more ammo to keep trading up in the draft. So I think the Niners, if the Niners should draft 11 players, I'll be pissed. I, I legitimately will be pissed, even though it's more guys for us to talk about. I'll be pissed. I, I, I think that there's just too much in this class in terms of unpredictability for you to stay where you are, especially when you have three picks in like consecutive areas. It's unfortunate for you to have that because you don't get to cover your bases. You don't get to cover your bases from zero to 99. You're also not covering your bases from 101 to 155. I think it's smarter for you to spread those picks apart, which likely means trade up and trade downs. And I think that there's a lot more value in certain areas where you've got to take advantage of it in this class, in what is considered to be a weaker class. You've got to take advantage of the values. That definitely means more moving than last year where you didn't move at all. So I have to talk about it because I just saw it. Mike Clay from NFL Network, I believe, um, he talked about his his uh, season-long projection for Trey Lance starting three games in 2023, and his lines would be 60 for 90, uh, 60 for 92, 690 yards passing, um, four touchdowns, two interceptions, 24 uh, rushes, 106 yards, and a touchdown. So that would be five touchdowns to two interceptions uh, ratio. 60 to 69, uh, or 60 to 92 would be around 65 completion percentage. If the 49ers get that from him in his first three games, because there's rumor that Brock might be back by game four. If they get that from him the first three games, <laughs> you cannot give it back. No, I don't. I don't disagree. And I mean, I think it's if Trey Lance can prove that he can lead this team to wins, he continues, he keeps the, it, it, the balls in his court. If he can prove that, he it's up to him. It, it's really up to him as to how long he keeps his job. Of course, if he disappoints early on, then the 49ers might panic more so. I've brought up the case of where the 49ers in years past, they've gone, uh, they've really stuck with the quarterback that they've gone with barring any injury throughout the entirety of the year. Now, I think this year, more than others, perhaps maybe you can bring up 2021, but this year, more than others, they might be more inclined to switch that understanding the urgency uh, that the season has. But I do think that the ball is in Trey Lance's court. If he can prove that he can win the quarterback job, have a solid offseason, and then showcase a good start to the season, he remains the starting quarterback until he proves that he can. And what's crazy is 60 of 92 is a 65% completion percentage. It's mo- it's probably with about 
knowing the 49ers receivers, two to three drops, which would put him at around 68% completion percentage. I'm not great with math, but I know Rohan is legit with math. 62, 92, that would for sure be around 66, 67%. Um, You're talking about, yeah, it's about 67. Yeah, right. So he's around six. So if you're around, if he's around 67% completion percentage, four touchdowns to two interceptions, and he's thrown. 690 yards, 690 yards over three games. Now, over, I believe that's over, that's 230 plus his 106. So that's around 260 yards a game. You don't give it back to, I'm sorry. Even if they're one and two, being one and two is not because of Trey Lance at that point. 67, 67% completion, 260 yards. That is around. That is a round, I believe, the yard per, the yards per game and the percent that Jalen Hurts had last year. If Mike Clay's prediction or projection over those three games is accurate, Trey Lance is a quarterback for the entirety of the year. Yeah, I, I could see it. I definitely can. Any any last comments, Rohan? I know that was just a, a random uh, off topic, but I saw Mike, Mike Clay said that right now. So I was like, you know what, it'd be a perfect time to talk about that uh, real quick before we get out of here. Um, I, I don't think I have any last comments, really. Uh, this was a really fun one, and uh, we've talked about a lot. I mean, we talked about the front office, our thoughts on Adam Peters and how integral it is that he remains a part of this formula. Talked about Trey Lance, his development. We talked about some of the projections around the 49ers, and yeah, I think it was a good episode. If you are on Rohan's channel, my channel, Jump over to the other channels. The the description, the links for both channels are in the in, in the description um, for the show today. Go over there, hit the subscribe button, hit the like button, hit both notification bells. You don't want to miss when we are going live. I promise you. Every time it happens, me and Rohan are, are putting out some, in my opinion, some pretty good information out or pretty good uh, stuff out. Thank you, Rohan, for joining me today. Everyone that was tuned in today. Thank every single one of you guys. You guys are definitely the reason why we keep going. See you guys next time. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.